Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to preach a passage. It's one of those passages I think everybody has, but that it just means so much to me personally and has served me so well personally uh, over the years. So probably haven't preached it in seven or eight years, and I've just been very excited over the last month uh, to be able to do this here today. So please open to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and to start, so Charlie Brown is sitting around looking glum, and Lucy asks what he's worried about. And Charlie answers, I feel inferior. Oh, says Lucy, you shouldn't worry about that. Lots of people have that feeling. Charlie says, what, that they're inferior? And she said, no, that you're inferior. <laughs> what a disaster to feel inferior to lack self-esteem, to be weak, to be dependent, especially in a culture like ours that so admires strength, that so admires the powerful, that so admires the superior, that so admires the, the independent, the self-sufficient, to be inferior or to be seen as weak uh, is kind of a dreaded fate uh, in, in our culture. Uh, after all, only the strong survive. So how crazy is it to not only be weak, but to actually boast about your weaknesses? Or is it? In God's kingdom, a humble acknowledgement of weakness is the gateway to finding strength to live for him in every area of life. In God's kingdom, not in, not in the world's kingdom, but in God's kingdom, an acknowledgement of weakness, a humble acknowledgement, is, is the gate through which uh, we tap into the power of God for every area of life. So let's read together um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And I need more light up here, so if I, <laughs> I can't quite read this. But anyway, we'll be, oh, there we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I must go on boasting, there, though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told which man cannot utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. 
But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, Father, uh, another one of those simple biblical truths that is so countercultural, so counter to everything our hearts tend to move towards, but a, a truth that is so powerful, so necessary for us to grasp as Christians. And I, I pray that every single man or woman here, old or young, would grasp this truth in a way that every day they live in the good of it and the power of it. So Father, uh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and, and just open the minds and the hearts of your people. And Holy Spirit, I so need you um, because I am weak. Um, I need you to be able to help through preaching serve through preaching your precious people and to glorify you. So please grant that for me, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, just a little brief background before we, we dive into the text itself. Paul is being forced to defend his apostolic ministry because false apostles have shown up uh, in Corinth. But we got to be very clear. Paul isn't doing this for his own sake. Paul isn't doing this because he hates to be misunderstood and uh, why do people say these things about me? Paul is only doing this for two reasons. He's doing it for the sake of the church. He's doing it so the church won't suffer harm and he's doing it for the sake of the gospel. He, he was willing to foolishly boast because he needed to defend this church because he needed to defend the gospel. Because these false apostles had come to Corinth and they were commending themselves. Uh, they were boasting about their credentials. And the question, the challenge to Paul was this, so what are your credentials? What, what gives you the right to claim apostleship and to claim some authority in place in this church. Now, obviously, the, Paul's addressing a, a unique situation in Corinth, but there are three principles here that I believe will really serve us today that have served me and that will serve you throughout the years. 
And the first principle is simply this. Each of us is called to action. Each of us, no exceptions. Each of us is called to actions. Now, obviously, uh, we don't have the calling of Paul to be an, a, an apostle. Uh, but each of us has a calling uh, to, to battle sin, to pursue virtue, to serve the church, to share the gospel, uh, and to persevere in the midst of sufferings and trials and, 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 and hardship. In other words, every one of us has a call to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, to live as, as his disciple. So we need power to enable us to pull that off. We need power to be able to battle and, and put on and serve and, and witness and person. We need power to be able to uh, do that. If there was no mission, if there was no calling, power doesn't matter. If all you had to do is sit around in a recliner and uh, use the remote, power doesn't matter. Weakness doesn't matter if you have nothing to do. But because all of us have a calling as, as Christians, um, whether uh, your calling is simply to be a Christian man or woman, or for some of you uh, to be a husband or, or a wife or a, a, a parent, uh, some of you are called as pastors, some of you are called as small group leaders, some of you have various ministries in the church. Because of that, power becomes an issue. So the first principle, the, the thing that really underlies all of this is simply every one of us, there are no exceptions. Every one of you sitting here today has a calling to action. Because each of you has a calling to action, you need power. The second principle is this. Each of us, again, no exceptions, each of us is weak and needy. There's not a one of us here when it comes to the things of God who isn't weak and needy. I can't function on my own resources. Nobody can function on their own resources, no matter how naturally gifted they might be, no matter how disciplined they might be. I can't do that, and, and, and neither can you. I will never, ever, ever accomplish anything of eternal value. I will never accomplish anything of eternal value on my own, and, and neither will any of you. Um, I am dependent. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not self-sustaining, and neither are you. So when Paul says, when I am weak, well, when is he weak? When am I weak? And the biblical answer is simply this. I am weak any time I'm not actively drawing strength from Jesus. I'm weak any time I'm acting in my own power, self-sufficiency, self-reliantly. Uh, any time I'm doing that, any time I'm looking to myself to accomplish the calling God has on my life, Anytime I'm looking to myself to try to accomplish anything of eternal value, well, that's when I'm weak. 
That's when I am needy. Uh, Jesus gives us a wonderful example of this in John chapter 15 when he talks about vines and branches in verses 4 through 5. He says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, and we might expect, you know, most of the easy things, but not the hard things. But that's not what Jesus says, does it? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, Charles Spurgeon in his, in his own pithy way says, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind. We are useless. But, but the danger of this self-sufficiency or self-reliance that I talked about, uh, the danger of it is its subtlety. Uh, I have never, as a Christian, woken up and say, Lord, I'm just feeling powerful today. Why don't you take the day off? You, you haven't had a Sabbath since the seventh day of creation. You know, why, why, don't, you, why don't you take the day off? That I, I fall into this, and we can fall into this kind of passive default mode. That even we don't consciously uh, say, Lord, take the day off. Um, we, we, we kind of live that way. So if it's so subtle... How do, we, how do we recognize if, if this is true of, of you, if true of me? Well, I think there are certain symptoms. Uh, one is anxiety. Because all of us instinctively know we can't pull this off ourselves. And so we, we tend to be anxious when it comes to living the Christian life. Um, the second is uh, you tend to be tired, uh, worn out. Uh, burned out, um, you're exhausted by the effort of trying to do on your own what only Jesus can do in you. Uh, thirdly, uh, you find that you have a lack of joy. Because how many of you have a great time being anxious and tired? You know, man, I'd, I'd really like to just be anxious and tired today. Um, and then a, a fourth symptom is, is anger and frustration and discouragement and doubt. I know that's four different things, but they all go together. Anger, frustration, discouragement, and doubt. Uh, when things don't seem to be going well and you find yourself constantly thwarted and, and your hopes are, are discouraged, then we can tend to fall in this pattern of being frustrated and what's going on and so discouraged. And then last of all, we just experience little or no fruit. We don't find ourselves making progress. So if, if you find yourself regularly anxious and tired and lacking joy and frustrated and discouraged and, and your life has little fruit, uh, I, I, would, I, I would propose that uh, you're, you're probably living self-reliantly uh, a lot. Uh, the old Puritan John Owen says this so well. 
He says the duties that God requires of us are not in proportion to the strength we possess in ourselves. Rather, they are proportional to the resources available to us in Christ. We do not have the ability in ourselves to accomplish the least of God's tasks. This is a law of grace. When we recognize it is impossible for us to perform a duty in our own strength, we will discover the secret of his accomplishment. But then this last mournful statement, but alas, but alas, this is a secret we often fail to discover. Oh, Living Hope Church, brothers and sisters, beloved, let us not be those who fail to discover this not well-kept, this open secret. Let us not be those who fail to discover it. Let's not assume that we automatically get this. So, first of all, every one of us has a calling and mission. Second, we are weak and needy. Uh, but the third principle is, is the most encouraging, and that is this, that God is willing and able to empower you to be his disciple for uh, the Christian life. In, in verses 7 and 8, uh, we find Paul pleading with God, please remove this thorn. And, you know, people speculate, what's the thorn? I don't know. Uh, but it's some kind of weakness. It's, it's some kind of hindrance that, that Paul feels every day. Please remove this thorn. And God says to Paul, 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 don't worry about the thorn. Don't worry about the weaknesses. It's not your weakness that matters. It's my strength. Paul, Paul, listen up. My grace is sufficient for you. For a very interesting reason, because my power is made perfect in weakness, not in your own strength. Now, got to note something very important here before we move on. God doesn't say, Paul, I'm going to make you strong. Paul remains weak. And it is in, in that very weakness that then God manifests his strength through Paul, through our weaknesses. So how do I, how do you, how do any of us, uh, like Paul, tap into this, this power that God has available, this strength that God has available, this grace that God has available, this sufficiency that God has available? How do we tap into that? Well, uh, let me finish with two reasons. It's going to take a while, but uh, so I, I use the word finish loosely. Uh, but to, there, there's two ways we tap into this. And the first simply starts with being aware of our weaknesses. Being aware of our weaknesses. This is the starting point. If we don't start here, we're going we're, we're gonna to miss it. Um, Revelation uh, 3.17 in the messages to the church is um, one of the passages that, that almost makes me laugh out loud when I read it. 
but it's also sad. So Jesus speaks to this church and he says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, I mean, that is a cosmic misjudgment of the situation, uh, isn't it? Uh, those people are sitting there thinking, oh man, I'm rich, I'm prosperous, I need nothing. When Jesus' assessment is, oh, no, you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and, and naked. And, and so starting out with the right evaluation of ourselves, you know, if this church would have started out with recognizing their weakness, wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, and naked, they, Jesus wouldn't have to speak to them like he did. So the, the power uh, of Christ is power that's in weakness, but we must be aware of our weaknesses in order to appropriate that power. Uh, Murray Harris uh, writes, the grace of Christ was adequate for Paul, weak as he was, precisely because divine power finds its full scope and strength only in human weakness. The greater the Christians, don't miss this word, the greater the Christians acknowledged weakness, the more evident Christ's enabling strength. In other words, there's a reason, uh, Harris is saying, that God's grace was adequate. God's grace was adequate precisely because Paul started by acknowledging his weakness and need uh, for that grace. The greater the Christians acknowledged weakness. That's why we, we cannot misjudge ourselves. We cannot fall into that subtle trap of self-sufficiency or self-reliance. That's why uh, the, the, the starting point for appropriating grace and God's strength is simply acknowledging our weakness. And did you notice, Paul didn't just accept the fact that he was weak. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm weak. But he's actually glad for his weakness. He actually boasts about his weakness. He says in verse 9, I'll boast all the more gladly that, that his weakness is not just his trial to be, to be born, but, but it's a blessing to be boasted in. Now, now, what's up with that? Philip Hughes says, human weakness provides the opportunity for divine power. Charles Hodge says, when really weak in ourselves and conscious of that weakness, so this gets back to the acknowledgement, we are in a state suited to the manifestation of the power of God. When emptied of ourselves, we are filled with God. Those who think they can change their own hearts, atone for their own sins, subdue the power of evil in their own souls or in the souls of others, who feel able to sustain themselves under affliction, God leaves to their own Resources. What a terrible thought that is. God leaves to their own resources, but when they feel and acknowledge their weakness, 
He communicates to them divine strength. Every day, every one of us should, should wake up aware of our, our weaknesses. But is that you? Do you daily wake up acknowledging your weaknesses? Do you walk throughout your day and consciously and continually recognize your own inabilities, your own, your own weaknesses to carry out what God has called you to do? Or when things go well, do you just kind of fall into that uh, default mode? Or when things go badly, you just think, well, I just got to work harder. Uh, I, I, I just got to do more. Instead of, no, I just got to acknowledge my weakness and inability so that God's power will rest on me. And, and, and this is, again, one of those subtle traps. When you feel your, your own weaknesses, do you just get discouraged by them? In, in, instead of uh, actively seeking the Lord for his strength. Um, do you, not merely as a cliche, because these are areas where it's so easy to, you know, I rely on God. But do, do you really, every day, deeply, daily, genuinely, acknowledge your own weakness and believe in God for the strength that is going to come through your weakness. And, and if you are aware of your weakness, and there's another trap, are you just more aware of that than you are God's power that comes through uh, your weaknesses? And, and so are you, like Paul, glad for them, thankful for them? Because you know that through them, God is going to be at work. So God is willing and able to help but the starting point is we have to recognize and acknowledge our weakness in a way that we're actually glad. Uh, the second way is through faith. Faith is how we draw upon grace and, and strength. Uh, in Ephesians, by grace through faith, that's the way the whole Christian life works. Any situation, not just getting saved by grace, any situation in the Christian life that you can think of, and just, just think it through. By grace, through faith. It's by, by grace, through faith, that we appropriate the grace of God uh, that, that we need each and every day. Um, interestingly, in the, in the great faith chapter, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, he's talking about the saints of old, and it says, by faith, we, they were made strong out of weakness. And so, a couple of things about faith. First of all, our faith has to be based on God's word and God's promises. It's not just this free-floating faith out there. It has to be based on God's word and God's promises. Again, look at, look at uh, verse 9 there. Paul says, He said to me, He said to me. Now, I'm no Greek scholar or language scholar, uh, I actually failed Latin one, Spanish one, and Spanish two uh, in high school, which was, I think, still the record at my high school. But in the original Greek language, that, that saying is, is in the perfect tense. And, and what that means is that basically, that when Paul says, he said to me, he still hears God saying it to him as if he's saying it today. 
that years later, whenever God said this to him, years later, it's like he wakes up every day and he still hears God's voice saying to him, he said to me, my power, your grace is sufficient for me. And for Paul then, that settled it. He, he had this word, God has, God has spoken to him. There's such an important lesson here. There's such an important uh, pattern to follow uh, that, that these words, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We need to live as if they were spoken to you because they are. And that they were spoken to you today. That we believe these words, we remember these words, we act upon uh, these words like, like Paul did, like, like, like every day God spoke to us. He said to me, because he does. So let me ask you this. Are there promises in Scripture that God will give you the strength and power to overcome sin in your life? Um, are there promises to empower ministry? to sustain you in the midst of, uh, of, of hardship, to help you as a spouse and, 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 and as a parent. And by the way, is there a knowledge, uh, is there an area we experience our weakness more than as parents and, and yet miss that God's grace is sufficient for us even there? Uh, or as a leader, um, of course, there are abundant promises. In, in scripture, but we need to hear them because faith comes by hearing. We, we need to hear them and then we need to believe them and then we need to act upon them as if God was speaking to us just today because brothers and sisters, that's what he does through his word. These aren't words written thousands of years ago. These are words that God is still speaking to his people today. And, and, and so like Paul we need to base our faith on, on, on God's word and his promises. That each and every one of us can legitimately say, today God spoke to me. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then the second thing is, it's based on the word and promise. But faith is experienced through obedience. Can't, can't miss this. Faith steps out. Faith steps out. Power isn't felt until you step out. I mean, think how ludicrous this would be. You get up in the morning, you go out to your car, you pop the hood, and you start staring at the battery. And your neighbor notices this, and he comes over and, and, and says, what are you doing? And you say, well, I'm, I'm trying to determine whether the battery has power or not. And and the neighbor, first of all, wants to call the police and get you hauled off. But secondly, he says, well, why don't you just turn the key and see if the car starts up? Oh, never thought. Well, isn't that the way we, we, we can sometimes live? That we're just kind of waiting around. Well, do I feel powerful? Do I? God's power is manifest as, as we step out. Um, we don't need to feel strong and capable. We need to believe strong and capable. And, and notice, this, this isn't a call to passivity. God didn't say, my power is made perfect in passivity. 
you know, the old presumptuous let go and let God. No, God's power is made perfect as we, 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 we experience that power as we step out in faith. Again, John Owens, John Owen, uh, our duty is to apply ourselves unto his commands and his work is to enable us to perform them. Okay, one final thing, and it's an important one, that because of all this, God is glorified. Do you ever think to yourself, I do, and I'm sure all of us do, why does God do things the way he does? Why, why does God do things the way he does? Wouldn't it be easier just to fix all of us up with, with permanent turbo power? Um, I used to play this um, NBA uh, basketball game with my son. And one of the cool things, the players, you get some cheat code or something, uh, but every once in a while, you could, you could tap in and, and the guy on the, on the video would say, turbo power! And then flames would start shooting out of the, the back of the player's shoes and he'd like dunk from half court and, you know, he'd steal the ball. He'd, he'd do all these, these great things. And I just think, wouldn't that be great? Why doesn't God just fix us up with permanent turbo power? You know, when we get up in the morning and we just hear the voice from heaven, turbo power. Why doesn't God do that? Well, the answer is simply this, because the design of all of creation, and rightly so, is to bring him glory, not us. And if God fixed us up with permanent turbo power, and we had flames coming out of the back of our shoes, then we would certainly grab the glory for ourselves. That's why boasting is so repugnant to God. But so it's, con it's so contrary. But isn't this interesting? There is one area that God, it's not only not repugnant, but God encourages us to boast. Wow, what is that? Well, 1130, if I must boast, I'll boast about the things that show my weakness. 12.9, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. 1 Corinthians 4.7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Finish with this, Philip Hughes, and the band can come on up. The abject weakness of the human instrument serves to magnify and to throw into relief the perfection of the divine power in a way that any suggestion of human adequacy could never do. The greater the servant's weakness, the more conspicuous is the power of his master's all-sufficient grace. Oh, Father, I do pray for each and every one of us that our weaknesses would be conspicuous to us and that our weaknesses would be conspicuous to others. The reason being that you, our masters, our God, our Savior, our Father, our Empowerer, uh, He who loves us, Abba, Brother, that in all of those things that you're all sufficient 
grace would be the testimony of our, our lives overflowing to your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.